Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of season two of Telekinesis. I'm Daniel Raskin, your host, and also uh, CMO at Kinetica. And I'm here with my producer, Casey. Hey, Casey, how are you? Hello. <laughs> I think that, that's going to be her go-to line. Like Ed McMahon had his kind of laugh next to Johnny Carson. I think Casey's going to have that hello as her, her go-to line. So today on uh, Telekinesis, we have a special guest. We have Taylor Newell from the Oracle Cloud team. Um, welcome, Taylor. Uh, hello. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be here. I stumped you on the first, the first question. <laughs> it doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how, are you, uh, how are you holding up in this crazy world we live in? It sounds like I'm, I'm guessing you're sheltering in place like everyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm based out in out here in North Carolina, in Western North Carolina, and uh, working from working from my attic that I'm in the process of converting to an office. And I didn't get far enough along before the uh, before the shelter in place came for us. So it's it's a new uh, new world that's or a new normal that we have right now. But it's working out okay for us. Actually, it's working pretty well, actually. The, the new normal. And, and just to give people a sense of what I can see, because I know this is an audio podcast. So if I was to actually look at Tyler's um, uh, space where he's working in, it, it looks like it's like all these um, insulated walls, but there, there's no walls. It's actually, what is that? That's the actual insulation, it's right? Just the insulation. Yeah, just the insulation. <laughs> so it, it kind of looks like he's built a safe room in his house and he's locked in there, um, completely isolated from the public. Um, so it's pretty impressive. It, it looks looks pretty um, pretty intense. On on the video calls, it makes people think that I'm much more um, much more of a prepper or much more concerned, maybe than I really am. So uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 good. I, I've actually just so um, the audience knows, I've been doing some videos on LinkedIn and Facebook to kind of entertain myself, and the one I posted on uh, the weekend was me shaving my head um, because I discovered that one of the biggest problems with a pandemic or before a pandemic is to make sure you schedule a haircut. And they don't talk about that in The Walking Dead. Like there's never an episode of Sheriff Rick Grimes kind of talking about the, the challenges of not having a haircut prior to a pandemic or a crisis kind of kicking off. And, and I took it into my own hands and, and did my own haircut, which I'm very proud about. Wow, that's impressive. It 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 looks uh, it looks good. Yeah, I've I've perfected the fade. Um, so, Taylor, maybe to kick this off, you know, I think a good place to start before we get into Oracle and and what you're doing is just knowing a little bit about you and and um, you know where do you where were you born? Where were you grown up? Um, you know, what's your background in in terms of your your um, your area in terms of education? Like, how how do you get into tech? Hit you with those like four or five questions all at once. No, that's good. That's good. I love it. Um, so uh, originally from Boston, uh, I have uh, struggled very, uh, very hard over these years to get rid of the accent. Uh, a couple of stints in, uh, in Vermont and Tennessee and Virginia really helped to uh, help to take care of that. So I uh, studied mechanical engineering out at Brigham Young University uh, and then had a couple of uh, a couple of startups coming out of uh, coming out of that. So the uh, the startups have all uh, all um, 
orbited around my my passion for uh, for for racing, for automotive racing, um, which which actually kind of incidentally led into uh, moving into uh, into the tech uh, the tech industry, out of the engineering industry. Oh wow! So so there's I got a bunch of questions in my head, but before we get into <laughs> the racing industry, which is where I want to focus on. Um, Producer Casey, if we could make sure to bleep out every time Taylor says Boston, because being a New Yorker, I just, you know, got to take control of that. So um, we'll bleep out Boston every time he says it. <laughs> but racing, so, so where did this racing kind of uh, interest stem from? Yeah, so we actually started uh, lived uh, relatively close to a couple of teams that uh, were running around the American Le Mans series when I was in high school. And uh, got involved in some of those. Uh, started building data acquisition systems for those guys. When when I went into when I went to college, we actually had a, an open wheel, uh, fully electric uh, race car that we raced against like seventeen other universities uh, against. And and it was a very competitive series. I think we had like ten to twelve races per year. Uh, heavily involved in in that. And then it transitioned. So we took the electric open wheel race car concept and, and we were uh, I was in school out in Utah, Brigham Young University, and we decided to build a, a salt flats streamliner to go for a world electric speed record. And one of the first times that we took our vehicle out to the salt flats, um, we actually we rolled it uh, on, on the salt flats, injured the driver. It was a, it was a huge issue, but... The, uh, the aerodynamics of the, of the body of the streamliner were, uh, were not great. And so we, we came up with a process to actually modify the, uh, the surface of the race car. And in the, it come, that process, it turned out, was extremely valuable to computational fluid dynamics uh, and to many other race car companies. And so we, we took this technology, we rolled it out into a, uh, into a product uh, that's actually still commercially, uh, commercially available today that was, that's used by most of the Formula One race car team for aerodynamic shape optimization. Uh, oh, wow. So that, that's kind of my, yeah, my, my small story, but we, we spent a lot of time with, uh, with Formula One teams. We spent a lot of time uh, in kind of in that, uh, in that space working. Oh, wow. And, and so... When, when you were talking about your college experience and trying to, to break the record for electric uh, cars, what, what kind of speeds are we talking about? So relatively, relatively low. I mean, some of the guys out there are running like 600 miles an hour. We were, we were shooting for 200. Um, I think the number that we ended up with was like 190. Uh, and this was on uh, essentially like two dozen um, – electric drill batteries oh, wow. was, uh, was what we, yeah, what we hit that on. So for, it was like, a um, under 1100 kilograms. The, the previous speed record was like 130 and we, we destroyed that. We were going for 200, but we got to, to like 190. Do, do you kick yourself sometimes that you didn't go like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to spin up an electric car company and try and, uh, reinvent <laughs> how cars. <laughs> well, so, so the, the crazy part here, and I don't want to kick mud on anybody, but Tesla, like Elon Musk did not start Tesla. Elon Musk bought Tesla. Tesla had been around since the mid-90s, you know, and not a ton of people like get that. Like, 
we were we were uh, we were messing around with Teslas in like 2002, the Tesla Roadsters that were out there. So um, I, you know, I don't. I have very I'm very passionate about uh, some specific things about electric cars. I like them, but it's still I th- I really feel we're still a ways off from them being a you know commercially viable whatever. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I, I have some of those moments in 1998. I was in business school and there was a friend of mine who was like, I have this idea. We're going to create this app. It's, it's about hailing taxis and we're going to use this app for like being able to call taxis at any point. And I was like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> shows, shows what I know. Um, so, so you, you were doing this race car thing, you know, I, what's the jump from race cars all the way to a place like Oracle. It's like, very different kind of worlds. Yeah. So, so we, we started, you know, we started the software company where we were, you know, um, optimizing the aerodynamic shape of race cars. And to actually do the calculation for that, um, you have to, you have to run on, on what we call HPC or high performance computing. Um, and so we started, you know, we got very heavy in, in high performance computing. And then the other, the other aspect of this was, because we were doing optimization, we make a small change, run the simulation, small change, run the simulation. So we have to do hundreds and hundreds of designs that took a lot of compute. Um, the, the supercomputers that we were running on, on the time, at the time, we, like, we maxed out very quickly. Uh, so we had to begin looking for other places to find compute. And this is why in, in 2008, I think for a very brief time, I was like the number one consumer at AWS. Uh, so we had, we had started bursting to the cloud uh, to solve these problems for race car companies, for some other manufacturing companies. And, and for me, at least, that's when the, the concept of running, of, of running high-performance computing, specialty computing, um, uh, GPUs, not quite yet. I wasn't there yet, but, but running HPC on the cloud. Um, I joined Microsoft in 2015 uh, to, uh, to, to drive HPC on the cloud um, and then came to Oracle uh, in 2017, I guess, 2017 or 2018, uh, to, to do the same thing for some reasons that we'll probably get into uh, on, on Oracle Cloud. And of course, by that time, we have, you know, we've brought in uh, GPUs that are, that are part of that. For the aerodynamic simulation, we're able to do lattice Boltzmann on GPUs, which actually gave us uh, uh, a lot of opportunity to do some really cool stuff with uh, uh, accelerated computing with uh, with GPUs. So that's that's kind of the uh, the the process from 2008 until uh, until Oracle Cloud, basically. All right. So so you actually have a history in your career of reinvention. I mean, whether it be looking at the high-performance computing piece in race car driving and trying to think about how to reinvent that approach. Sounds like when you were at Microsoft, I mean, Azure, Azure definitely went through a, a shift to the cloud and, and kind of to get to where they are today. And then you're jumping to Oracle where there's a clear shift to the cloud going on as well. So you're, you're glutton for punishment, man. <laughs> it's like uh, you're always, it, you know, and it's, I think that's, that's really a good point. I hadn't really thought about it like that, at least in the pre-Microsoft time, but we've always been pushing for, or I guess I've always been pushing for um, 
you know, ways to do more work, you know, and not necessarily me doing the work, but, but mostly computers, computers doing the work, whether it was optimization, you know, so uh, automating these optimization loops where we would run hundreds of these simulations, uh, then moving to, to Microsoft where we brought in RDMA into, into Microsoft and then moving into uh, to Oracle Cloud where we were able to finally get kind of that real HPC performance. The, you know, the challenge with that is, especially in the HPC, is you're always, and I guess everybody everywhere is doing this, right? You're, like, you're always trying to convince somebody to change the way that they've done something for a long, long time. You know, people have created, have done aerodynamics on race cars, basically yeah. the same since like the mid eighties, you know, and we come in and say, Hey, do this on, you know, supercomputers change, you know, change all these things. That was always a tough sell. Uh, when we came in and say, start running HPC on the cloud, it's, Oh, you, do, you can't get the performance. That was a tough sell. When we say run HPC on G or excuse me, run computational fluid dynamics on GPU, it's, well, we don't have the same resolution. Um, it's, it's always a tough sell. Uh, there are going to be initially some gaps, but what we find is as the products mature, or I guess what I found is as the products mature, uh, you end up, I, I end up in a very well-situated place uh, to, uh, to, do, to do that work or to enable all of that work. Yeah, and, and so... Now you're, you're at this point where you join Oracle, and I know Oracle's gone through some iterations around their cloud strategy, and, and I'm fascinated by it because I, I think when you go to the Oracle website today, and if you haven't done this, go to oracle.com because what you think of historically being Oracle versus when you see the brand now, it's such a phenomenal shift. Like It's actually a brand that I look at where I go, God, I wish... I wish I had kind of that look and feel like if there's a lot of hand-drawn art, a lot of creativity, some emotion brought into it. And I think uh, same thing with cloud, you know, for a long time, there was the sense of Oracle being on-prem infrastructure. And now there's this whole center of excellence in Seattle that you guys are building out. When, when did that really start, that, that just brand and shift to, to cloud? So... When I was when I was at Microsoft, it was wonderful to see this transition from a software company to a services company. Yes, I never thought I'd I never thought I'd see that again until I joined Oracle. Right. And it's impressive to see um, the I mean the 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 mindset change, the culture change, everything. So. When we started Oracle Cloud, and, and again, I wasn't there at the time. So when Oracle Cloud uh, really started in, in like, I would say late 2016, mm -hmm. Oracle was still very much traditional what you think of Oracle. Really within, as our cloud business has begun to, uh, has really begun to take off, we have seen a lot more transition. Um, and, and the culture is changing, quite frankly. I mean, the company is becoming a, uh, a cloud company. There's no, no question about that. And, and it happens like at a faster pace every day. So in, we, we moved to this new design, I think we call it Redwood or something like that, in, uh, at Open World last year, so in uh, November of 2019. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, this feels like uh, a next-generation tech company now. 
um, which is, which is awesome. Like it's exciting to work for. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. I, and I come from, um, you know, I was at Sun Microsystems. I went through the transition, um, from Sun into, um, Oracle and saw that whole kind of experience. And, you know, I had the privilege, um, at the end of last year of getting to um, sit in on an internal kind of Oracle meeting that you guys held in a movie theater in Seattle. And I was, blown away like i could not believe they were the same two um companies it was pretty pretty insane so so tell me a little bit about yeah yeah what were you gonna say oh so you mentioned you mentioned sun and and being an hpc guy like sun is like sun were the first you know supercomputers that i learned on um and and that really like that was that's a great a great comparison i think because at, at Oracle, the one thing that has always been the same, regardless of the business, has been we've always looked for the best hardware to build our software on top of. Um, and so, like, in the, in the 80s and 90s, that was running on, you know, uh, DEC, on digital equipment hardware, the alphas, the vaxes, all of that stuff. Um, in the 2000s, of course, that is, that's us running, that's Oracle database running on top of Sun, which, which ultimately led to the acquisition of Sun. What I didn't realize before joining Oracle was that we also purchased 25% of Mellanox the exact same time we bought Sun. Mellanox, of course, was running the back end. So they bought the network uh, and, they, uh, and they bought the, uh, the Sun hardware. Those people, maybe Daniel, with the exception of you and a few others, uh, those people didn't go away. They continued to build that same hardware at the same quality and, and maybe even better quality. They had a lot more resources. Um, and Oracle actually built their biggest business, one of their biggest businesses on top of that hardware. It's something we call, um, Exadata. It's like a database as a, as a, like as a, an appliance or whatever that you can buy. And, and that's a massive business inside of Oracle. Um, what happened is the company begins to, uh, make a, a harder shift to the cloud that the same paradigm of keeping the, the best performing hardware that stays the same. And now instead of us just selling our customers appliances, we're now actually renting that hardware, that same hardware to customers and uh, in a, in a bare metal environment and lots of other stuff that I'm sure we'll continue to talk about. Um, but that's the, that's kind of the, the genesis, if you will, of Oracle cloud was, I mean, it's directly linked to the Sundays, you know, from, from when you were uh, when you were at Sun, yeah, you guys have to bring back Donut Days just as a tribute to Sun, so people can have free donuts. <laughs> um, I will, you know, I'll I'll take that I'll take that up and and start to, as soon as this whole COVID thing's over, we'll start doing that with uh, with our our HPC team. I like that. There you do. There you go. So you know, Amazon started this as you mentioned, you know, way back when. I, I remember them coming to us at Sun around like two thousand six, two thousand seven. And, and they've been building up as kind of the first movers. Um, Azure is kind of going through um, kind of that shift in terms of becoming that services company, getting their cloud kind of mainstream. As you guys are, are building out the Oracle cloud, you have this opportunity to kind of reinvent some of the things or, or kind of pain points that you see with those other clouds. How are you guys approaching it? Um, and, and how do you differentiate yourselves around that? So the approach has been the approach has been clear. Um, go out, <laughs> hire the people that built all of those other clouds, 
and tell them to do a little bit better the second time around. Um, and that's, you know, we've, we've looked for, we've looked for the talent, uh, and have spent a lot of time and money, uh, obtaining that talent. And then, uh, after that was in place, we were able to, you know, to build a cloud from the ground up. Um, we're not repurposing cores that are used for a website or a bookstore or a productivity tool. We are building cores to run enterprise grade applications or we're selling cores to, uh, to do that. Um, and when you, when you build a cloud with that in mind, when you build a cloud where you have a hardware team in house, when hardware is commodity, um, you're able to do a lot of different things, or I guess you're able to do a lot of things that you wouldn't have been able to do 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no question that we are late to the cloud game. Um, we are a hundred percent utilizing our late mover advantage here. So what we've, what we've done in building this cloud is we've started from number one, from bare metal. Absolutely. You can install virtual machines on these. You can do whatever. Uh, but at the core, at the heart of, of Oracle public cloud, uh, are bare metal instances. You can go log on, uh, the oracle.com. You can spin up one of these bare metal nodes and it's not you're placing an order and you get it three or four days from now. You click a button and, you know, for a, for an HPC, for one of these big massive instances, 90 seconds later, you have an HPC cluster that's ready, a bare metal HPC cluster that's ready to run. Um, you have a, you know, you have five, uh, you know, uh, boxes that all have eight GPUs. You've got 40 GPUs that are bare metal, ready to run. You know, you can install your massive database on them uh, and start running Kinetica's active analytics on them if, uh, if you need to. Um, so, so the, the, really the core differentiator is bare metal. When you start doing bare metal, then your networking becomes more secure. If you, if I'm going from one bare metal node to another bare metal node, I'm going to be able to give you full line rate. Whatever my NIC is, my, if you've got a two 25 gig NICs, you've got 50 gig throughput between these two nodes. Additionally, there's no other data on the network between those two nodes. Uh, so you have a security aspect that you didn't have before. Um, and then, so, so performance, security, network. Uh, and then the last thing I'll mention is just storage. Uh, when you start building a SAN that is based on bare metal compute that's based on this kind of bare metal network uh, with, with this no virtualization, this security layer, I can now do things with my uh, storage, with my SAN, with my block storage or my object storage that I was not able to do before. Um, one of the guys on my team just, uh, just shared uh, that we've got a... Uh, I can't mention the customer. It's a really kick-ass customer. Um, but they, uh, we, we stood up a file server for a customer that was getting 145 gigabytes per second. Not gigabits per second, gigabytes per second. Um, at, and that's across 14, only 14 file servers. This is like, uh, this is HPC file servers that you can hardly purchase on-prem because of the cost that I can, that, that Oracle can now sell you for about 50, well, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't quote numbers here, but um, a significant, uh, uh, it's significantly less to run this thing in the cloud 
than it is to run it on-prem, and the performance that you get is meets or exceeds what you're already getting, uh, getting on-prem. So what, what I'm yeah. hearing from that is, is if uh, you go back to Oracle's roots in kind of the, the B2B enterprise world and public sector world, working with some of the largest organizations out there, and you think about the sheer size and complexity of some of those problems and the need for security, the need for mission-critical apps, the need for dedicated um, capabilities, you're able to take all of that uh, learned knowledge over the decades of doing this and bring it now into the cloud and have it purpose-built for that audience, whereas some of the others might be much more geared towards like that developer audience or kind of the... um, you know, not not the the B two B extreme data kind of uh, scenarios. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Enterprise cloud is the you know is the target. Like we are used to our customers requiring a different you know a different level of performance, service, reliability uh, than you know than than our competitors' customers. And so to meet their needs, uh, we've had to build something that's very unique. It just so happens that these are the same demands that high-performance computing customers also require, um, and and that's what you know that's what attracted me here is that we could provide performance that nobody else could. Yep, and and so actually, just um, a, a little segue onto that, um, and maybe uh, uh, one of our our final topics is uh, you know. Oracle has also launched this Oracle for Startups program where you're now embracing a lot of young companies to build on top of your cloud. Um, you know, that's how we got connected. Um, you know, Connecticut got connected through the Oracle Startups for Startups program um, through some uh, introductions from uh, NVIDIA and, and kind of that focus on uh, GPU cloud. But uh, can you talk a little bit about just the, the mentality shift in now embracing all these young startups and having them be kind of the face of the business in a sense um, as part of that reinvention? Absolutely. And, you know, going back to your earlier comment, like, I can't believe that this is Oracle, (laughs) you know? So even, even as I sat here and said like, Hey, we're building an enterprise cloud, what we, what we found early on and, and for cloud in general, yes, I would say for GPUs, it's, it's a hundred, like it's extra true um, that the the products, the software that our enterprise customers were increasingly relying on, were specialized software uh, coming from smaller vendors, coming from startups. Uh, especially like in the ML and the AI space, there would be you know some small shop that. Maybe the, the world's, you know, third largest pharma company has invested, you know, $100 million worth of infrastructure around that product. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's absolutely vital for us uh, as we seek to, uh, to support our largest enterprise customers to also bring on our partners, whether they be massive or whether they be, you know, whether they be small, um, and then service those partners uh, those ISVs, those startups, you know, whatever you want to call them, service them exactly the same. You know, treat the treat the the partner that's that's coming in with fifty customers exactly the same as you treat the partner that has a million customers. Um, because what we're what we're finding is that the value of those partners 
um, is is a lot more similar than than we would have uh, than we probably would have previously expected. You know, the chance that a startup is is going to uh, is going to unicorn or is going to hockey stick um, is is extremely high. You know, and we can't we can't disregard those. The other part from so that's kind of more of the Oracle standpoint. From in my particular view, from the HPC and the GPU perspective, the the stuff that you guys are doing, um, Kinetica specifically, but like the startups in general, um, is is very interesting. Like it's very awesome. You allow Oracle Cloud, Kinetica allows Oracle Cloud to demonstrate the performance aspect of our cloud better than many of our other startups, many of our other partners, many of our other ISVs. And so there's, there's benchmarks and there's demos and there's stuff that go along with that uh, that we can do with you that maybe we can't do with, uh, with a longstanding ISV. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very cool. I mean, I, I was shocked when I learned about the program and how cool it is. And I definitely recommend if there are young startups out there trying to get off the ground to go check it out online, the, the Oracle for Startups um, program. But uh, yeah, it's exactly what you said. My experience is to have that partnership where I can just pick up the phone and get on the um, on a call with like a number of people and have this access across Oracle to um, you know, get advice, to get guidance, to get help with PR, to be pitching stories out together, to do press releases, um, to be building demos, um, to have the, the compute to be able to, you know, get those into executive briefing centers and use it in front of customers. Um, that's a every startup's dream. And so it's very pragmatic, um, which is cool, because a lot of times you start ISV relationships and then it's like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> and it's like a chicken and the egg kind of thing, whereas this is like you guys are all in and it's, it's, it's really a, a nice model to follow. So, oh, so well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I know we're, uh, we're running out of time. And so, uh, Taylor, you know, any other um, things you want to say to the, uh, the telekinesis audience before we uh, go back to sheltering in place and isolating, actually physically <laughs> distancing, I shouldn't say isolating, physically distancing from our peers. Physically distancing. Yeah, that's good. No, the, you know, the, the biggest thing is, um, and I, and I say this, I say this a lot in executive briefings and, and other things is I'll say, you know, listen, I've, I, I've made a lot of claims today. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for my competition. Uh, I've made a lot of claims, but I have the receipts, you know, like I don't in, in the HPC and the GPU space, I don't expect anybody to, to take my word for it, to believe me. Um, you know, come check us out, log onto the website, get a couple hundred bucks free, um, grab a GPU, grab a, a bare metal HPC node, do whatever you want. And, and, you know, validate what I've said, run it against your code, uh, see if it does perform better than other clouds, see if it performs as, as well as on-prem. Um, and I'll be, I'll be here. My team will be here to, uh, to help make sure that you're successful. Yeah. We appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to join us. And uh, thank you, Telekinesis fans, for uh, joining our second episode of Season 2. And stay tuned for another special guest coming for Episode Three. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Taylor. No problem. Thanks a lot, Dan. We'll see you.